Welcome to the Husky Hockey Podcast, your number one source to remind you to contact the authorities if you know where Nietzsche is, because he has not showed up anywhere on the ice so far this season. And I hear you on that. Travis and Andrew here at the uh, Husky Hockey Podcast. We'll start out here with the CC series and, you know, just the whole series, I, I, w- I was kind of wondering... What's going on with Mietnin? And I was trying to watch some of his play, and it's just so completely bizarre to me because Cronilla is just racking up the score sheets. Um, I think he's number two on the team right now in scoring uh, behind Fitzgerald. And then we have, you know, Okabe, which, I mean, he's not slowing down the line at all, but, you know, Mietnin is credited with so many shots on goal, but I would, I don't think he's snake bitten. By any means, because I would uh, like to be snake bitten. I think you would have to uh, get some chances, and I don't even think he's really had any like chances that I felt like he was robbed on. I mean, his best chance that he had, he just keeps missing the net, or he's just sh- shooting at center mass. And it, I don't know. I'm tempted to go back and even all of, like just all of his games that I could find on NCHC TV and just going through because. I I don't I don't know what's going on with them and and what. Yeah, your guess is as good as mine. Uh, I I think you're right. You know he had uh, I'm not gonna call it beginner's luck, but last year uh, he he really uh, made his presence known very quickly in the uh, Omaha Pod last year as you know this is a this is a star player in the making and. Particularly with that sniper esque shot of his, and it might be that he's that a the the league and the the rest of the opponents are catching up to that. Scouting report is going around that you know he's a guy that he's got a great shot, uh, and if we can contain that, keep the shot on the perimeter, increase the chances of more traffic in front of those shots, blocking the shots. I agree that he's having shot attempts, I mean, not, not just, not necessarily shots on goal, but certainly he, he has the shot attempts. A lot of those I think are, aren't making their way to the goalie unimpeded in the process. Um, I think he's just got to make some adjustments himself. Um, it wasn't just me but I thought the whole team struggled in CC at realize five out of six points against CC nitpicking if if we're going to be very critical but I, I i was not terribly impressed with the, with the huskies this weekend and i thought their uh struggles were that they were they just didn't have a ton of down low pressure sustained down low pressure a lot of the especially on friday night a lot of those uh, offensive chances were perimeter shots or or one and done opportunities uh, there were stretches in the game where they played uh where they had more sustained pressure but just didn't look like one of those weekends where it's a number one team in the country facing a bottom, you know, a bottom half team in their conference. Never seemed to really impose their will until late Saturday, which you know, once the game got out to that three to one lead, third period on on Saturday, the kind of desulting away of victory. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of what Mietnin's going through is is what what a lot of uh, of the players, uh, a lot of the you know players that are struggling to get on that score sheet. I think that's similar to Miet and struggles as well. It's, um, and, and I think there's also a, a, 
you know, a, a respect to the opponents that they've played. Um, I was impressed more so than I thought I would be with CC, at least from a physical and defensive standpoint. I mean, I thought on Friday they really kind of played an out, they out-physicaled St. Cloud for much of that game, and typically not a team, at least in the Haviland years, that had that MO. Um, and a lot of, most of the roster is still, you know, players that, that Haviland brought in. So I was surprised to see that. And, um, and you know, with, with you know, teams like Mankato that struggled with, uh, these are you know, strong defensive teams. And so credit where credit's due, but, um, uh, you know, our, after, I think it was after that Mankato series of, you know, our fears about, well, where, where is Mietten and where are some of these players uh, that we're expecting lots of offense from? Now, and we said, you know, give it a month or so. Well, we're close to that month and still not getting that breakthrough scoring. Uh, and then factor in some key injuries with guys like Hentges. Uh, that might also uh, factor into the frustration. So, again, I'm still cautiously optimistic that he can make the adjustment uh, and deliver that scoring touch. Still, still early in the season, but like we said, we've been waiting now patiently and perhaps our patience is running thin. And that's where, you know, sophomore slumps, they do happen. Um, but, you know, I even made a point early in the podcast. Um, you know, I don't remember if it was our um, announcement podcast or the first one that, you, you know, in Finland and the lower levels, they're not used to playing in front of crowds. And his, he had that big success in the pod. Again, not in front of a crowd. Um, and then now he's getting in front of crowds and people, maybe he's just gripping his stick, maybe a little bit too tight and he just needs one to kind of get it. Um, you know, with that, and I, I I go back and forth because I'm like, he's, he's not producing. He's one of the premier, you know, one of the big reasons why we had such a good season last season, but he's not producing right now. And the Huskies are still sitting at eight and two. So, like, you know, this could be incredibly dangerous when he does get rolled. Um, you know, and, and kind of see kind of see what happens there. Um going going talk through about CC, I do agree with you that I was impressed, you know, a little bit more impressed with them, especially the uh B Row Cooley and Gleason line. I thought they were all over the ice and really all over the Huskies. I thought uh, they did an excellent job. Um, really controlling the play when 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 they stepped out, and they've got a, a few other uh, good good players as well, kind of sprinkled throughout that lineup. Uh, you know, talking about uh, a Friday game, yeah, Micah Miller uh, scores. Uh, you know, the goal in the first period, evenly fought third period. Um, second period, I thought then just you know, and then most of the third as well, just I felt like St. Cloud was just kind of chasing the game uh, up until, um, you know, later in that uh, third period when uh, Cronella ended up tying it up. But there, it was, you you could tell that St. Cloud just wasn't on their game. And, um, uh, you know, Mietnin, again, didn't really show up. I thought Brodzinski I think I didn't hear his name. Very quiet. At the end of the second period. Very quiet. So it's, you know, that aspect was frustrating to watch. Um, 
And, you know, maybe that was a little bit of having Molinar there on, on that line with him, which was a really big head-scratcher for me. Um, eventually, they did replace him with Selquist on that line, which I thought of originally. Um, you know, I, I did like him, um, you know, kind of in that spot. Or I liked him more in that spot because Selquist, I think, has performed better throughout the year. Um, you know, Molinar is much more that... Uh, that, that grinder and Sulquist, I think, can, you know, has a little bit more ability or knack to, to create some space and create some a little bit more chances. Um, so that's that 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 was really kind of frustrating about Friday. And I also thought like our defense didn't engage at all. We were really passive, and I think we were just maybe adjusting to some of the injuries and maybe a little bit of a bye week week rust, but. You know, we were incredibly lucky not only to escape with going into overtime for the for the three on three, but to get that uh, that extra point as as well to get five, um, to get those two points there in in that Friday game. We were incredibly fortuitous to get that. Yeah, I agree. In that second period, as you said, um, I mean, and we were we were texting back and forth. Uh, the two goals on, on Friday for CC, pretty garbage goals. Uh, you know, that second goal kind of go, goes off the back, uh, either backboards or back glass. The refs were looking to see if it maybe went off the screen out of play, but just kind of lands on the guy's stick and nothing Renek can do. And first goal, it kind of Nolan Walker gets physical out of the play. And again, sort of a odd angle goal. Um, and so these weren't high, you know, it's not like they were, you know, that first goal for, for Miller. Again, this is another one blows the doors off the defenseman on, on a, on a rush going forward and, and puts in a nice goal. Quality of goals for the Huskies were, let's say a little prettier than the, uh, than the Tigers uh, tallies. But and, you know what, what you said is really important and people need to remember that, you know, the B row, a goal, the first goal, you know, Walker had a really tough shift. Um, you know, he, he got beat a couple of times and then went in front of the net. And I think the puck ended up deflecting off of him and into the net. Um, unlucky bounce. And the other one, again, off the end boards and, and um, uh, Chorsky just was, was able to bat it out of, out of midair. So even as bad as we were playing, it was still two lucky bounces that they were able to, to, to get past Rennick. Who, again, had a wonderful weekend. Yeah, and it was that it during the third period when it was two to one and Huskies weren't really generating much offense. I, I kind of was like, this reminds me of the Air Force and the uh, AIC uh, horror shows uh, because it's just like let's go. It's almost like they were trying; they're playing into CC's preferred style of play, and that's never a good recipe uh, to win a game anywhere against anybody. Uh, so I had that same feeling up until we got the power play <laughs> and I thought the power play looked good, obviously all weekend, but, um, um, you know, we were empty handed a couple of chances, uh, earlier and then we get that one. And I'm like, okay, we were going to convert. It was just a matter of time, I think. And then Cornilla just blasted past. So I agree that the power play, it was very good in generating, chances they failed to finish on a couple of those mm. i feel like there was a one or two yes. empty uh, empty net chances that 
or <laughs> missing the yeah, missing man. the net. Yeah, uh, I think maybe Brodzinski had one of those on Saturday as well. Uh, be wrong on that, but uh, so we're you know they weren't they didn't play their A game. Let's say and so let's say they played their B minus game and still still won a road series five point got five points out of a road series. Uh, I'll take that. Yeah, and and you know and and teams are you can you can have a can lay an egg every now and then. We saw that Mankato lost to Ferris F and State this weekend. I don't think anybody saw that coming. Ferris is yeah. not not good, and uh, and and the fact that they can lay an egg and still and, win an overtime game, I think, is a good thing. Uh, so I, I I know that we again you said it's eight and two team and still number one in the worthless Ustro poll for what that for what that's worth, which is nothing. Um, but uh, yeah, I still think that we need to hammer out some of these. Uh, some of these issues and and let's get let's really get rolling that's that's what i'm which, looking forward to which by the way i want to call out some people on twitter and just wow when the game isn't going the way that you think for you know or how you want it to be for a 10 minute stretch do fans turn quickly because i ex- saw so much negativity about how much of a garbage team we were and it's like this is hockey. It does happen. You know, it's that you're going to have these types of games and whatnot. And it's just stick with the team. It's, you know, if you find a pattern in it, then ring the alarm bells. But, you know, don't fly off the handle because you had a 10 minute stretch where, you know, you didn't possess a lot of them. Yeah, I agree. Probably glad I'm not on Twitter anymore because uh, <laughs> I probably would have been guilty of, of those immediate whatever you know the, uh, let's let's publicize every thought that tumbles through my brain uh yeah from the long from the long range perspective um this weekend isn't going to define the season certainly good or bad uh but like you said certain players uh were identifying need to show some improvement and and certain players are stepping up as well and so uh, another when, good, uh, so when you're looking at this series here, how, how would you define then the Saturday game? Because like when I was looking and I was watching it, I, I, I thought the Huskies were miles better. And I think the key that comes from that is because they were able to engage the defense a lot more. And I feel like the Huskies are the best when the defense is more active in you know, pursuing the play. I thought they were very passive on Friday's game and let the game come to them, which let CC kind of control and dictate a little bit more of the action. But when, um, you know, the defense is more active, you know, you saw, you know, Perbix carry the puck up more. Um, you saw them pinching a little bit more, you know, things along those lines. That's where I think St. Cloud gets into his zone and gets a little bit more comfortable. And, I, you know, watching... um. Friday's, or I'm sorry, uh, watching Saturday's game, I felt like for a large majority, I was incredibly happy with how the Huskies played. Yeah, I think uh, the first 10 minutes or so were uh, a little disappointing. I mean, it was weird. I think they were. So they get the uh, the, they get the penalty right away, literally on Saturday. I've never seen a delay of game penalty 
before, before the, the game, game started. started. Well, it was a face-off infraction. And uh, you could, on the on the replay, like, one of the Huskies is kind of pointing it out. Like, oh, it was the face-off infraction, because you get, what, you get, like, a warning, and then if you do it again, then it's yeah. a two-minute penalty. I didn't like that though because it's like when if that's if that's the thing you want them to call out there you're also asking them to be that picky for the rest of the game. I was surprised that Saint Claude didn't get one of those called on them later in the game as sort of like we'll even it up. But I mean, yeah, I've never seen a game where the game starts with a two minute power play like they didn't. I mean, it, that was another one where they had a nice chance and couldn't bury it. If they would have, I mean. If they would have scored on that first power play, I think the game could have gotten out of hand and set the tone a little bit better. But still, getting out of the first period up 2-0 um, with the shorthanded goal at the end of the period with Miller again. Um, I thought the second period again, first 10 minutes, that's when CC scored its goal, I think, six, seven minutes into the period. Had to withstand a little bit of a, a an onrush from, from CC, but I'd say after the 10-minute mark of the second, so the last yeah. half of the game, Huskies really... Uh, Took control, even though the you know still uh, score was not out of hand by any means. But uh, it just feel like they they imposed their will and 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 showed that CC it showed CC who the better team was. I still don't think it was a dominating men versus boys kind of outing. No. Which I'm not sure if I necessarily expected that. I mentioned the some of the scores that CC had, and and Saint Cloud and CC had had over the years especially in Colorado Springs, you know, very lopsided results uh, on CC's. And I should mention this is uh, they Huskies uh, extended their uh, uh, not, not, not winning streak. So, so in their last 15 games at CC, uh, 13 wins, one tie and one overtime win. They have not lost at CC in the NCHC era. Their last loss in Colorado Springs was February of 2013. CC has won a handful of games at St. Cloud during that time, but Huskies have really made uh, uh, Colorado Springs a second home. So they were able to extend that streak this week. Um, and even with, like I said, maybe a B minus performance uh, overall on the weekend, still were able to, to pick up five out of six points. So I'm not going to, I'm trying to be more positive, even though. I, I expected a little bit more from the team, but as we've mentioned, the uh, it does it does hurt with with Henches out. I think that makes a big difference, even though this isn't a team that has a set top line uh, or you know set set lines to begin with. I mean, I think from in general, there's pairings uh, that Larson likes. I think he likes to keep Cronilla and. I've always, I've sorry, I said Cranilla, um, and I don't know if it's Cranilla or Cranilla. It's, it's like vanilla or granola. What what way do you pronounce it? I guess, but but anyway, he likes to keep. I've heard it both ways. Cranilla and uh, Mietnin together, uh, and it seems like like Walker and Brzezinski I, are kind of paired. I like uh, to say he's the thriller from Cranilla. There you go. But I'm. That's a whole. I mean, that that's, doesn't make it right. <laughs> It's a whole other bit with this podcast as far as who, how do you pronounce the names? We've, we've been odd ad nauseum about Peart, Peart, Pert, and we can do the same thing with Cranola or injured. Yeah. That's that's what you can call it. Yeah, that's right. And yeah. And, and, and that hurts too, to have a, 
to have him out as well. But so I was saying he likes to keep some of these pairings, uh, you know, a center and a winger or, or whatnot for, for uh, chemistry purposes. Um, that top line is one where, you know, it's Fitzgerald's the anchor for it. But I mean, he's been playing with so many guys on that line through this year. There's no one set uh, uh, line pairing with Fitzgerald on that top line. And, and I think he's, I think though we found it with Miller. Yeah. Um, I was um, going to ask you too about guy. I'm pretty sure that we haven't discussed at all. Uh, and here's another uh, pronunciation quandary. Is it Kyler Kupka or Kupka? But either way, he's been getting top line minutes with Fitzgerald throughout the season at, 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 at random times. Uh, I want you like, Give me a sentence and a half on Kyler Kupka, because I'll say I don't know if there's much there. I I I don't know. Sentence and a half, yeah, might be might be stretching it. <laughs> um he he just is very much is vanilla ice cream. Um it's I I, I think he's maybe like a lower energy Johnny Swanson to me. And it's like, it's tough because I'm like, what is he really good at? And he, but I'm never like upset at his play, but it's just because it's kind of just bland. Um, so it's, you know, he, he's obviously he's not, you know, he's not physical. He's not a goal scorer. It's like, what is he? Um, and I, I think he's able to make some plays, but I don't think that those plays ever result into amazing scoring chances or anything along those lines. So it's, he's like, yeah. So, and you know, he's on that line with Fitzgerald. I'm like, oh, okay. I guess because I don't have a better answer of who to replace him with. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and that's kind of the thing is like, I mean, maybe chase brand, but I'm, I think Brand is, you know, plays with a little more energy and physicality and whatnot. Um, but I mean, the pairing right now for Fitzgerald and Miller has been just absolutely rock solid. Um, you know, yeah. well, obviously with uh, two goals on the weekend, um, one in each game for Miller. Um, that shorthanded one was just a backbreaker late, late in the first period, and then. Yeah, Fitzgerald's goal, which was right off of, you know, shortly after a face-off, which, again, he scored down low, which, again, I, I'm telling you, down low him one-on-one with the goalie, he's going to bury it. But that face-off draw, it didn't look like the other, the CC player even put his stick down, and I was waiting for them to call it dead, like it was an unfair drop or something, and they just kind of kept going with it. And I'm like, oh, okay, how was that legal? Which is ironic because I'm the guy in the stands yelling at the linesman to drop the puck because I get so annoyed when they try to insert themselves into the game by, you know, I don't have a lot of power, so I'm going to, you know, give face-off warnings, I guess. But sometimes you add a, add a colorful rhyme with puck in your, in your shout to drop the puck. I, I, I do. I, I, I did that, uh. You know, once or twice. Not not recently. <laughs> okay, it was a little recently, but still. 
I mean, just drop the puck. Like, come on. Oh, I, I yell it. I yell it at the screen, at the TV screen. I don't need anybody else to hear me. Linesman. Linesman. Just Micah, Micah Miller. I'd, I'd like to get back to him. Uh, this is, I could do some, some show prep and, and get this uh, exact stat. If I spent an hour Nobody. on Penn State's non-conference schedule in the last 10 years, <laughs> I probably could go back and check to see, but I'm going to guess that at least a third of his goals are shorthanded goals. Uh, it seems like at least in every game, he's got a shorthanded chance. Uh, um, I did see a stat um, and uh, I'm, I'm sorry to the person on Twitter who I'm going to steal this from. So make sure to uh, yell at me if you listen to this podcast so I can credit you on it. But they said that shorthanded right now, because the Huskies, I think, have four shorthanded goals on the year, that our shorthanded goal percentage is at 12%. So we are outscoring the power plays of like 10 leagues or 10 teams in college hockey. So it's um, kind of interesting. I wanted to get back just one second because he brought up Penn State. And uh, there was a guy who um, also reached out to me on Twitter because, um, you know, I was going back and forth a little bit with uh, with Go Huskies Woo on it. And he wrote for uh, Penn State's, one of Penn State's blogs, like when he worked. And... I don't know if this is going to make it better or worse, but he replied with, um, I, I can tell you that lots of potential games were turned away and it was mainly financial. Once the arena opened up, they needed to make money, so a bunch of sellout home games was the way to do it. Sadly, they axed really good, they axed really good home games um, and were only able to return very few away games. Um, when I left in 2016, it was one of the three sports that turned to profit. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I don't know. So scheduling home games against Niagara is the only way you're going to sell the building out. You'd think that you could do that if you have a higher name brand team as well. Uh, but I'll take his word for it. And that's where it kind of lost me a little bit, too. But then again, you know, they're a new college hockey market. So, you know, and I, I mean, they're not I don't, really I don't know have the any difference between a Niagara or a St. Cloud State in terms of just. And I get the you know, first three, four, five years of establishing a program that you that's that. the other thing. But the thing yeah. is, now you've you've made the tournament twice. You are hosting regionals now. You're you're not a new program in that sense anymore, where you're building up a program and you're expecting to make the tournament this year, I think. So schedule I, I a tougher like conference or a tougher non-conference I, schedule. I feel like it's very much a college football in the 90s type philosophy where you front load your schedule with a bunch of cupcakes with the Louisiana Monroe or um, whatnot you know, for your first four or five games to get your 5-0 and record. And I feel like Penn State still has that mentality. Which in that case, and I, I think this happens in hockey, maybe not to the extent it does in football, but one reason you do 
one reason that these Atlantic teams will go to big big name colleges is that they get a cut. Uh, I know that's definitely the case in football, and I think that that's the case in hockey as well. So you're even thinking you got to make more of a profit because you're paying off uh, the teams, the, the cupcakes that you're bringing into Penn State. So, uh, yeah, again, I from yeah, and from an attendance standpoint, they have been pretty good since they've opened their new building. So I'm not going to argue with what they're, and maybe they think that it's just a bunch of home wins is what we, that's what kind of sells our potential fan base on. This is a product that you want to check out. So, I mean, I, I, I don't think that's a ludicrous idea, but I still think that this isn't the only way that they could turn a profit yeah. or, or be have on a success either. Um, so, but then again, I guess it's working for them, but we can hate them for it, which we will, which we will. And we are, <laughs> um, but you know, going back to teams that matter with St. Cloud state and, um, you know, the shorthanded and, and Micah Miller's really presence. And again, he's doing so well with, <laughs> with eighth year senior, uh, Kevin Fitzgerald, <laughs> as they called him on the TV broadcast, which, which made me laugh. Um, you know, I wish I could tell you the exact percentage of, you know, teams and power plays and whatnot. And um, I don't trust any website that I'm given information. I mean, Harvard still, according to CHN, has 100% power play, even though they went 0 for 6. And Us Show doesn't give me a stats page. It just says the host isn't responding. <laughs> so I don't... But, like, to see that type of speed, and I don't feel like it's, like, we're risky when it comes to it. It was just, we get scoring chances, and Miller's just able to bury it. And I think people have been, I don't want to say they've been down on Miller, you know, kind of when he he started and kind of got his career going at St. Cloud State. Maybe they expected a little bit more from him. Um, but, you know, he's really just found his niche, and... I've also been a little bit perturbed we're not giving him some power play time as well when I saw Salquist out there um, on, on on Saturday as well. But maybe they just want to keep power play and penalty. But um, I got a uh, I got a comp for Micah Miller. See ooh, if you see you if got? you agree see if you agree with this. This is going back a little bit, but and you had mentioned John Swanson. I think that's a decent comp too because he was a penalty kill kind of specialist and shorthanded. I always could count on a couple of shorties from him every year, but you put the puck on Johnny Swanson stick and you put the puck on Micah Miller's stick. I will take Miller in that in a heart. Oh, sure. I'm just, I'm more, yeah, I think they're, they're different styles of player for sure. Just yeah. basically from the, from the, uh, I think this is a better comp though. Uh, okay. Cause it's, it combines the shorthanded, uh, goal ability and the speed, and I'm going to go with Travis Novak. If uh, okay. it's a blast from the past, uh, always, he was always a guy that I, exp- I he felt like the way that he played and and the numbers that he put up, he he just played way better than what his stat sheet would have uh, mm-hmm. should have shown. And yeah, and with same with Miller, and Miller was a little unlucky in that he walked into a tough roster to, to move true. up quickly on. Came in in what 2018 was he with there? Yeah, he was the 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 second of the uh, 
number one overall seed years. Yeah, the eighteen nineteen season, he was yeah. on that roster. And so, uh, you know, he. So had, I mean, yeah, I mean, you got Newell, bit. you got Lazat, uh, you got Palings. I mean, that's that's tough. Yeah, but I think now he's he's risen to that you know status of he's going to play top line minutes, uh, and I think it's well deserved and. Uh, and as we said, a, a special teams force, and uh, yeah, I, and and he's a guy that even he's not a big guy, uh, but mm-hmm. he does not shy away from playing a physical game and uh, upbeat, energetic, a lot to like. And I'm yeah. I'm very nice. It's very nice to see him uh, kind of stepping up here, especially in the in the void of you know Hentges being out and and Mietnin struggles. Uh, it's uh, Credit to Miller uh, is a reason that the the record is still as good as it is, even with the uh, early season um, issues that St. Cloud has had. And, uh, you know, that leads us, and I, I guess we can just spill the beans right now, the Go Huskies Woo Pow Player of the Week. Um, he selected Mike Miller, and, um, you know, I'd be, I'd be surprised if he had somebody else. I didn't have someone else. Um, the only one I could, um, you know, also, maybe think about would be again. Renek had a really good weekend with two fluky goals on um, on Friday, and then Saturday's goal. I mean, there was no shot. I mean, it was the fourth guy trailer. It's and an a blast. So, um, but also, I thought you know, just straight defensively, Brendan Bushy, I thought had a really good weekend, and he's another one of those that I thought was a lot more aggressive in Saturday's game. Um, you know, taking chances. He, he's he's kind of one of those unsung. I mean, he's not going to pull a Perbex or anything along those lines. But you know, um, I feel like he's a little bit more of a consistent Donahue, and sometimes Donahue can get into trouble um, when it comes to that. Which I mean, he was the defensive player of the week for the NCHC. So um, you know, I thought he had he had a decent recent um, weekend as well uh, with uh, three assists or four assists if you check the CHN app versus the CHN website. Um, because of course, you know, college hockey would depend on one person to run all of uh, whatever. <laughs> we hammered that home enough. Um so it's so I think I think Bushy, you know, just watch I enjoy watching him play just for just a defensive standpoint and how poised he is and he's not out of position. He makes the right play. Sometimes it's not the sexiest play, but it's it's the play that gets the job. Yeah, no no drama here. I picked Miller as well, and uh, I kind of figured it was going to be a, a unanimous pick. And I also had a Renak, sort of my backup, or my number two pow, I guess. Uh, do want to mention uh, Thomas Rocco getting some minutes? I mean, we're, I'm not talking player of the week here, but... I think that's a that's a first appearance on the podcast for Rocco, I believe. Uh, first game, or maybe maybe got into one of those St. Thomas games, uh, but uh, plugged him in for Molinar on Saturday, which I think was a wise move. See what you got there with Rocco. Maybe there's nothing, but we don't know that unless he gets some action. Josh Lukey got two starts on the, or he played both both games on the point. He's a guy that I I've mentioned in the past, which I like, and he plays. He's got more of an offensive uh, mindset to him. I mean, Bushy, we're, we're talking about, is definitely a stay-at-home guy. Trey Ball, 
more stay at home guy. Lukey's a guy that uh, is not afraid. Don't push to, the play. Yeah, and, and he'll go. I think he's going to mature into a good, uh, good player. Perhaps like a, you know, like a power play quarterback uh, in years to come. So excited to see his development. Um, it's nice to have, you know, that that Ashan type at the point uh, to have a mix of stay at home guys and then kind of. Uh, offensively minded defensemen as well. Don't want too too much of, of one and not enough of the other. So it's good to have those kind of guys. And Zemer too, uh, which I know that you've liked played the Saturday game. Uh just played the just played the one game, I believe. Um, so and again we're we, we haven't talked about Jay Cox much. Don't think he he didn't play at all on the weekend. It just tells you the it goes does to show you even with Pert out just how much depth uh, that that blue line has, uh, and yeah, like I like said, giving up three goals on the weekend, all of which, you know, weren't exactly uh, highlight reel type of type of goals, um, goes to show you how well that uh, the back end, the defense, and, and goaltending has been this year, and you know that's that's the kind of stuff that wins you wins you hardware. Uh, come, yep. come I sprint believe time. Jay Cox played Friday. It's, that's possible. I. Uh, my attention was more uh, wrapped on Saturday. Uh, Dad was watching the game with me on Friday, so I didn't uh, didn't have a hundred percent of the attention on the on the screen. So we we were also we were able to see the, uh, uh, the it's the once a decade. This is not not the St. Cloud game, but did you see the Gopher Badger game on Friday? I did once a decade play where Wisconsin scores an own own goal on the delayed penalty where they pull the goalie and then they pass it back to the point, misses the guy and goes in the net. Yep. Those are always fun. And that's like, even though Wisconsin ended up winning that game in overtime, like you could just freeze frame that goal and put like the Kirby enthusiasm music and be like, that's this year's Wisconsin Badgers. If I insert that into the pod, is that going to get DMCA'd? Uh, that's that's okay. That's Let's okay. try them. Let's get their <laughs> lawyers to come at us guns blazing. <laughs> come at me, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Got the Micah Miller fan club here. Bring it on. Um, yeah, so let's go ahead and uh, switch um, over. Let's uh, focus on the future. Um, well, you know what? First, let's uh, let's go around the horn here for the um, NCHC um, because just uh, we had a couple of a really big tilts. Obviously, that Denver North Dakota one, and uh, I don't know if Sloshman's going to vote Denver number one anytime soon after uh, North Dakota uh, sweeps them. And I didn't know how bad of a record they had uh, recently at the Ralph. Denver has had a lot of trouble there recently. Um, and also, um, North Dakota has been incredibly dominant. Um, split between Minnesota Duluth and Western, which... Makes sense. Kinda makes sense. Um, I don't think we expected a lot uh, different. But uh, really the surprise, and um, this is will kind of turn into our uh, discussion for our opponent this week is that uh, Omaha loses to Miami uh, four to three on Friday able to rebound on Saturday um, to come back and win four to one but um, 
Yeah, that uh, that was a shocker on that on that Friday game. Did you watch any of it? I had uh, I watched a little bit more of the game on Saturday, but I did see it was kind of a late choke job by Omaha. Had a lead and then coughed it up with two quick goals late in the third. If I have that correct. Yeah, it was um, fifteen thirty five and fifteen fifty four were the two goals uh, late in the third for for Miami. Um. But like even the the power plays, I mean UNO was 0 for four on the power play. Miami was one for one. Only thirteen so, shots for Miami. Four goals. So four goals, and not, and that's where I get with Seville. And I know there's oh, he's got his diehard fans and whatnot, and I just find him incredibly streaky. Um, he's got pretty good number, pretty good numbers this year. But factor in the uh, the week schedule that they were playing in October uh, and yeah, four, four goals on 13 shots. That's going to do a little damage to the save percentage. So there were a lot of, you know, I even saw a lot of literature around for, um, you know, are people sleeping on Omaha and whatnot? I know I talked about them a little bit uh, last podcast about how they're kind of sneaking up on people. Uh, you said that you're not a fan, and or you know you, you were very critical of their non-conference uh, opponent so far, and and um, you know maybe you were proven maybe a little bit right for you know them splitting with uh, you know I would say mediocre to bad uh, Miami. So it's it's going to be an interesting weekend. Um. Because Omaha does have uh, some good leadership, um, you know, kind of up top. And they're a veteran team when it comes to, you know, Taylor Ward. And, you know, they had uh, Brandon McManus, who was a transfer. um, Chase Primo, who I've always been a really big fan of. So, I mean, they've got some people who are able to light the lamp. Um, their, their, Their defense has always kind of been mediocre in my opinion um so and uh seville can steal a game but overall sometimes i'm i'm not as impressed with them as other people are so it's it's going to be another series at home fat ice um <laughs> against team zoo so it'll be it, it'll be important weekend for us again to keep grabbing those uh conference points because we we need to rack up points and really separate us from the middle of the pack here. Yeah, it's always fun with, uh, with Omaha. Uh, I say that because generally the Huskies do pretty well against Omaha uh, match up fairly well. Uh, game style, game play style of play similar for both teams. I, I would say, uh, Omaha wants to score some goals, uh, and in the past, at least, uh, St. Cloud seems to play that style better than Omaha does when they match up. And and, and generally, they use that uh, bigger ice sheet in St. Cloud to their advantage. As we've mentioned last week, first time out of the state of Nebraska for the Mavericks this week. Spent the first 10 games all at home. Uh, and so... Maybe that'll 
maybe that'll be a good thing for Omaha. You know, it's kind of maybe they're complacent and a little bus trip like this can build a little chemistry and all those nice cliches. Uh, but uh, I remember Bosco saying that he liked to have those long bus trips early in the season um, because he felt like, you know, the team can really bond during those trips and whatnot. Um, so, um, yeah, just kind of seeing how that affects Omaha, too, is uh, going to be kind of interesting. You just don't want to take the bus trip from North Dakota to Omaha, right? That's the one where, like, six years in a row they got stuck in a snowstorm and grounded and because i think one year they like all right screw it, we're gonna take a plane and then they had to like reroute their plane to some podunk town because of weather i think that was a uh, uh, old schlossman story yeah, so it, yeah it, i mean driving i what is it i-29 there yeah. and yeah. i mean freeways close there in the winter every three weeks <laughs> just i mean there's nothing to block and just, I don't know, plant some trees, Dakota. Is it that hard? I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, so so maybe the the change of pace for Omaha will uh, uh, will be good for them going forward. But I, in, in some ways, I, maybe this is overly confident, but in some ways I'm more confident this week than I am going into the CC weekend. Um, I just think that this is a team that we seem to have their number, and... I like the home ice advantage in this case. Uh, and, and yeah, Omaha's a team that, uh, like we said last week, I mean, if they're going to be taken seriously, they, they really should sweep that series against Miami. And losing a game that you had, you had in the bag, seemingly. Uh, you know, it doesn't, it, it maintain, I maintain my skepticism of Omaha. Uh, from a, a result like that, so, so I'm uh, I'm yeah. confident about the Huskies here. Want to get want to get healthy. I mean, there's there's only so much you can do about that front. Uh, but yeah, if there's yeah. um if there's a concern, it's we've we've listed them in the players uh, that we've spoken of earlier in the podcast, and and uh, but yeah, God, I would love to see a, a Hentius and a and a Pert. Uh, appearance uh, or two this weekend. Yeah, I, I I agree, especially especially Henches. I think this. I think he adds so much, um, you know, kind of to the lineup. But you know, if if he does, th- this is something I really want to see him. But at the same time, I mean, if he's not ready, I mean, don't rush him back. You know, we really, I mean, don't need him. Need him until you know, much later in the season. Um, and maybe get get some of these, you know, get Rocco, get Molinar, Solquist, and whatnot. Get them kind of in some kind of a rhythm. And so, yeah, and uh, the first half schedule. I mean, we've got Omaha this weekend. Go to Kalamazoo, play Western next weekend. Then you're off, play North Dakota, and then you're off for three weeks. So we're, we're hoping. I'm hoping at least that. I mean, I agree that this this stretch of the schedule, as you said last week, is is a key one. But I kind of like CC Omaha Western um, in a row here at the beginning. We're not. I think the toughest stretch is in January, where you got I think a 
Duluth, uh, North or uh, Dul- uh, excuse me, Duluth, Denver, and North Dakota. I think back to back to back. That's when I really want that that number one lineup to to show up. So maybe easing into this conference schedule here a little bit will be will be nice uh, injury wise. Um, but uh, quick quick note: it's Duluth, Denver, Miami, Dakota. Okay, so you do throw a, throw a Miami in there, but but yeah, and then I think towards the end of the season too, you got um, I know you end the season with Duluth. Or Western in there as well. Um, yeah. But, Fe- starting February, we got um, uh, Western at home at Omaha, Colorado College at home at Duluth. Okay. Well, there's not. Maybe I, I was going through someone else's schedule then and just saw like a big run of of tough of tough tough teams all in a row and if, yeah, that Duluth, Denver, Miami. North Dakota stretch is probably the toughest, but, um, but, okay. and, and you're not getting as many off days in the second half of the season, off weeks, I should say. So getting a bunch of off, off time in the month of December, like hopefully if will, you, will help. If Obviously I'm going to be preaching to the choir here, but I mean, anybody who hates winter, like get them into college hockey because I mean, the fact that you said we've got, you know, Omaha Western and then, like, you know, North Dakota, and then we're off for three weeks. Like, holy cow, this season feels like it's flying by. And, and I guess it, really it makes does. sense. We're eating two. Like, we've already played ten games. Yeah, it really does. So. um, But, yeah, it's, uh, you know, quickly going back to Omaha, you know, their leading scorer right now, I mean, Taylor Ward, according to CHN, uh, eleven goals, eight assists. So it's you know, which I think is the I think that's points. leading leading the country. I think in goals. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, now, how many of those are against Long Island? Check that out. Three of five those. goals. Against- oh yeah, no, I was just looking at assists. Wow, yeah, five goals, three assists. Uh, four points a night against uh, against the Sharks. Wichita State is that? I did. I did the Long Island accent, or at least I tried to. Uh, the Sharks. You know, maybe that's more Boston. I don't know. Boston. I can't tell the difference. They all sound like garbage to me. Those it's accents all, are terrible. It's all mush mouth. Yeah. So as um. I, with, with we uh, us in our authentic uh, Fargo, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, yes. Oh sure. Um, moving uh, forward, so you know, what what are you thinking? Uh, six points. Uh, yeah. Mark yeah. down six points. Hoping. Uh, an overtime shocker. Maybe they. Sneak one in, you know. You're you're just going the full six. Let's go five two four two. Gotcha. It's yeah. I feel like I, I feel like those one of those games can be close. It's kind of going to be kind of like a CC. One game close, one game um, probably a little bit more more of a spread. But um, you know, this is again. This we we need to take care of um, Omaha. 
um, to really solidify. So that's what we're looking forward to. See if Hentges comes back. Um, and yeah, it'll be it'll be a good up and down weekend of hockey, which would always what I like to see. Um, around the uh, around the conference, I'm kind of looking at ahead uh, to some other uh, games we got over the weekend. Um, you know, got Colorado College at Minnesota Duluth. Western at Denver, um, and then North Dakota at Miami. So not as good as matchups, but I'm really kind of interested in that uh, Western Michigan at Denver. Um, kind of see what Denver team we're going to get um, and what's going to kind of bounce. Um, if, if they're going to kind of bounce back after that sweep, um, you know, at the hands of North Dakota, or if, you know, Western's going to be the real deal here, we're going to need to see them kind of step up. So. That's uh, that's kind of the big game that I'm I'm going to be looking forward to because I mean if, if Denver doesn't take points off Western, they're 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 almost buried <laughs> at this point. Yeah, I would agree. That's the best of the matchups this weekend. Um, I would expect North Dakota and, and Duluth to take care of business. Uh, Duluth impressed me as far as. They just out. I mean, they they play a tough game on Friday. Could have won that game four to three on a late goal for for Western wins that game. But damn, I mean, Duluth just they just don't get swept, and so they yeah. they come out and make a statement on Saturday, a decisive win. Yeah, my hatred of Duluth. Uh, I'm trying not to cloud my judgment on them. I think they're going to be better than I thought at least going into the year and and so I think uh series with CC I don't think they're going to have too much of a problem with with the Tigers um yeah I might I mean I wouldn't I guess I wouldn't be surprised if Miami wins one of those games against uh against UND uh as we've mentioned their goal is to steal really a game uh, yeah I mean it's it would be I would be mild, mildly surprised I I wouldn't be shocked I'd be shocked if CC wins a game at at uh, Duluth, but that's the uh, beauty of the league. I don't think many people had Miami win one of these games against UNO. So, mm-hmm. uh, and yeah, I don't know how that Western Denver series is gonna turn out. Uh, it's another one of those ones I could see it, you know sweep either way. Wouldn't really shock me or anything in between. So, uh, be a good series. A good weekend, and let's hope good things for the Huskies. Are there any other uh, non-conference matchups or anything that uh, stuck out to you? Honestly, I didn't even look. Screw the other yeah. conferences. I mean, we're not really who we, who we, don't, we don't have much non-conference. I mean, we're kind of in the brunt of of uh, conference play at this point. I think the only I mean, non-conference guess- game. Michigan at our friends of Penn State. Yeah, but I'm yeah, always probably... interested, really weekend weekend of about Michigan. Um, just because they've got so much of the fanfare and the tell with all the uh, the high draft picks, but you know, I yeah. defense wins a lot, <laughs> and um, judging from what I've seen, I'm not. 
And P- Penn State, you know, coming off beating North Dakota, and then they get swept at uh, Ohio State. So they're looking to get back on the mat. Uh, and so, yeah, yeah, like I said, not not much non-conference. Uh, I think last weekend the only non-conference series was was Northern Michigan beating BU, which I was surprised to see that matchup even scheduled. I don't really think, didn't expect to see BU traveling to Northern Michigan, but Northern Michigan handled them pretty well. So, uh, and like I said, I think Hockey East is is not not at the top of their game this year. Um, they're uh, from the interconference records. Uh, they're second worst. They're they're only above Atlantic Hockey right now. So um, don't expect a ton of teams out of Hockey East this year. But yeah, um, then I'm a little interested in Harvard too. Just kind of seeing what. Uh, what they've got and their 100% power play that they're on right now according to CHN which is not true but um, yeah and they yeah. find they, they lost in overtime we're recording on Monday they just lost to, to Northeastern tonight a rare Monday night game an overtime game though uh, overtime loss um, do I hope you picked up the fact that I didn't say the Huskies swept CC. Um, but overtime wins. Yeah, I got a cu- our, no, our I, favorite topic. I, I tweet out at the end of every Huskies win. I tweet out, you know, Queen, don't stop me now. You know, just as as a victory anthem, because it's an amazing song, and why wouldn't I? Um, but I said no. You don't. You don't get. You don't get Freddie for fake wins. You you don't get it for these overtime three on three pseudo shootouts. Yeah, it, it's for real winners here. And I got a lot of people booing me on Twitter. It's like, no, I want to hear Freddie. And I'm like, no, no, can't do it. Came through on well, Saturday. You got to hear Freddie, but you, I mean, maybe be- if I put the caveat, you can only do fifty five percent. Or you can only join it at fifty five percent of your normal volume. I don't know. Yeah, so I'm saying I'm thinking that there could be some songs. I think I've got two. I've got two that spring to mind. Sammy Hagar's "You Can't Drive 55. Okay. but in this case, you can drive fifty five because you're getting fifty five percentage points. But then I'm also thinking Meatloaf. That two also out of, two out of three ain't bad because you're getting two conference points out of three. Okay. Um, okay. I am always down for some meat. That and Which, maybe you can ma- mash that up with Paradise uh, by the Dashboard Light. By the Dashboard Light, and then uh, I would do anything for love. Kind of do both, uh, uh, both of the uh, the the seventies and the nineties loaf. Uh, do a little mashup, little meatloaf mashup. Did you know he really wanted to do "It's All Coming Back to Me Now" by Celine Dion? Like, he really wanted to do that song. And there's even, like, a video. Like, there is a sound of him, like, doing a demo of it. It's really good. I mean, that's a banger of a song anyway. Like, you want to talk about bangers, Celine Dion songs? It's all coming back to me now. Yeah, it's peak 90s cheese. But, oh, it's so good. Like, in the video, too, where the husband dies in the motorcycle accident. She's running through the mansion and whatnot. It's such a good song. 
Uh, I'm not joking. Uh, what was that about? Nine, that was 93. Bad Out of Hell 2. So that would have been like seven years old. Meatloaf was my favorite artist. Uh, seven-year-old me. I was the biggest Meatloaf fan. That was probably like the first album that I like listened to all the songs. You know, just didn't do the just didn't do the radio bangers. You know, I, I searched through all the songs. Uh, that album was I, so God, I should, good. I should go so back and, and and uh Amazon music that tonight because I would have a rush of nostalgia. Life is a lemon mm. and I want my money back. Just so, yeah, it's life philosophies. You know, it's yep. just sit sit down and 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 learn from from the legend. From from the legend of loaf. <laughs> so I uh, got a couple of Twitter questions um that we can kind of go over. Um first and foremost, is there a better husky roster than the 2000 2001 team? And if I were to pick anything that comes close, it would you know, maybe be some of the, you know, Coastal and Newell teams and whatnot. But they were vastly different. And college hockey was vastly different, you know, in the early 2000s and whatnot. That, that team, that uh, 2000, 2001 team, oh, it was majestic. I mean, they, were, they, they would put so many points. They were so fast. They were so fun. We were three lines deep of like prime scoring where we would routinely score four or five, six, seven goals a night. Um, you know, and you know, eh, we had, we had defensemen, uh, Doofy Westcott, but <coughs> Jeff finger. <laughs> we had Jeff finger, obviously the man, the myth, the legend. Just take a look at the, uh, NHLers on this roster. Arneson, Hardigan, Malone, uh, Malone, Joe Motzko, I think, was, uh, I believe he had a cup of coffee or two. Doobie Westcott, as you said. Hendricks, who I think just, did he just retire like a year or two ago? Yeah. Uh, yeah, an impressive team. Scott Meyer yeah. and Nett never made the NHL, but uh, um, he was a stud that year. Uh, did we get this question? Because I believe they are honoring the team this weekend. Like a 20-year. Correct. 20-year. 20-year uh, anniversary. anniversary, so... You know, we might get a Jeff Finger sighting. Might be in the building. <laughs> Is that? So, gonna, it's probably going to be on Saturday. I'm going to say maybe I'll have to. Yep. Hopefully, maybe they'll have the stream it, stream whatever they're doing. Uh, they're doing like an on ice presentation or something. I'd like to see it. I, I mean, I was not following the team closely at at that point. So, um, so you are you have those memories because you, I mean, you started going to the Frozen uh, or the Final Five. Like late nineties, right? Yep. Uh, well, two thousand was my first year, but yeah. And rooting for the Huskies the whole time. Uh, no, actually, um, the first season that I did root for the Huskies was actually that two thousand two thousand one year. Um, so you were there well, when they when they beat North Dakota. Yep. In the in the title game, which I've seen that uh-huh. game, uh, and, and um, it's a fun game. And uh, yeah, oh, it's such a fun game. Uh, but that the year before we lost, St. Cloud State lost to North Dakota like eight to three in the tournament or something like that. 
So just being in the crowd and getting that revenge, it, it was just kind of a surreal feeling. It was just kind of cool. Um, that would have been tar- would that have been Target Center? Because this is pre yeah. X for so well, the old the, one. Yeah, because uh, I old, think the the old one was at the Target Center, but the two thousand yeah. was at the or no, I'm sorry, no, the old the two thousand was at the Target Center, but two thousand one was at the XL. That was the first year at the XL. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. I, yeah, so the Wilds' first season was 2000, 2001 as well. I was thinking it was a one oh two, but no, you're right. Yeah, and I don't understand why. I mean, you have, you know, probably one of the best goalies in WCHA with Carl Gehring, and 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 you start Andy Kohler, like <laughs> that's like like straight out of Dean Blaze, like Blaze gonna Blaze. <laughs> you know, it's like wait. Why? Um, you know, Huskies, again, a fun game to watch. Um, and the Huskies were just dominant and takes a, I don't know, what were they up? Four to, five to one? Four to one. Five to one. They were up five to one, I think. Um, and then Dean kind of shuts down the line of fire, which was, Beta, Lumbalm, and Panzer kind of shuts them down for the first half of the third period and then pretty much double shifted the rest of the game and they were able to end up scoring three goals uh, there within the last like five minutes to force overtime. So, no, it's nice. It's nice. Eastman, to- Eastman scores the game winner and suck it. And it's nice that they're that they're doing these uh you know throwback weekends or remembering the you know obviously it'd be best to do it if we're welcoming back like a national title team hopefully we can do that in 10 20 years from now let's say but uh mm-hmm. but there's a lot of history uh within the I mean, just the D1 era or even going back further and it's nice to remind fans of that history, and and uh, so I'm all I'm all for the. I guess that's supposed to. I guess it would have been twenty years, like in the spring of 2021. But obviously, weren't doing fans back then, so yeah, couldn't really do a on ice celebration in the same sense that we can do this weekend. So, so it's nice to get these uh, teams back and. And yeah, do you do like a, do you do a 2013 Frozen Four team uh, in 20 years? I, they made it farther than this team did technically, but yeah. so you have uh, Drew LeBlanc uh, bring back his uh, Obi Baker Award too. Yep. And maybe his like per diem check for his two games at the NHL level. Yep. There we go. Um. Uh. The next question from Goloski's Woo, which I actually have a really good take on. I mean, all my takes are really good. Let's Looking forward it. to this. Yeah. Right. Um. It seems like the Huskies uh, used to do a two-two-one box on the power play. Um. Now do kind of a broken umbrella one-three-one type. Um. Why? 
why do you think it's working so well? Um, and I've got a couple of points kind of to make of that. First off, I think our zone entries have been so good when it comes to the power play. We've been able to get the puck in fairly effortlessly. And that's because of our dynamic between, you know, everybody watching tape on us. We've seen us, you know, regroup, come in with speed, and just go for the goal. And it's a two-on-one all of a sudden because they expect us to do like a slingshot pass back. Because you never know which we're going to do. We could just go straight up, go for the goal. And, you know, we've seen a few goals like that kind of scored. Um, we've seen, you know, defensemen drop the puck way back and then come through speed and change lanes and whatnot. Um, but I think overall it, we're doing a lot better job of entering the zone, setting everything up and controlling. So that's obviously step one. Um, but, you know, one thing that we've been doing a really good job at is kind of using that middle guy. So if it's that one, three, one, that middle guy in that three, using him as kind of a bumper, you know, between two um, two other uh, St. Cloud State players and really having the defender kind of panic on which one to choose uh, and which one to go back for. Either, you know, either the bumps him back, you know, to the, to the guy on the wing or, you know, bumps him back up to the, to the defense or kind of, you know, kind of all three. You know, kind of using that as as a triangle to create the mismatch and to create create lanes where you can generate. Um, I thought, you know, Walker especially, I think he's incredibly good in that role. And he has, you know, obviously you look at that Mankato game at the end of last year in the national tournament where he was able to to tip that in. And there was a few few other times that he was able to tip those shots in and whatnot. Um but I, I think a combination of those, and I just feel we're more active. And, you know, I feel like there are times, you know, how we used to play where we were just kind of stagnant and we would just all be in the same spots, just passing around the perimeter and not able to generate anything. But I think using the bumper guy effectively and changing lanes and whatnot, I thought we were able to, to just generate a lot more chances and, um, you know, being able to convert on a good, 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 a fairly good portion of that. I mean, you look at how good, successful our power play now, it arguably could be even more successful if we buried some more of our chances that we had. So it's kind of a combination of those three things I, I would say is why our power play has been so dynamic this year and it's really tough to coach against that um i do worry about you know when we're kind of going in and doing that slingshot breakout um if you guys i'll try to explain it kind of the best i can to some people who are not familiar with it but when a defenseman kind of takes the puck up the ice or even a forward kind of comes around the net, takes the puck up the ice and then will pass it back, um, you know, maybe even back still into the defensive zone or whatnot um, to the, to one of the defensemen. And then kind of comes, you know, it's, so it's a very big pass back when he gets to about center ice or so. 
and that and that can kind of generate some uh, lanes opening up and whatnot. So, and you know, some speed kind of going through, you know, can can create those open chances. And I do worry because obviously I hate drop passes, <laughs> especially in the neutral zone. Um, it hasn't burned us yet, but I do worry that eventually it will. Um, I just hope it doesn't in, 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 in completely the wrong scenario. But that's kind of what I've seen from the power play. And um, I tried to explain it the best I can without any type of visual <laughs> um, aids or anything like that. But, you know, that's been kind of what stood out to me. That and just how active we've been. Yeah, what he said. There we go. Perfect. So, um, for you, power play, I mean, again, this is with yet not showing up yet, um, really, when it comes to that. Um, any, anything you want to add about it or, or whatnot? No, I, well, levity aside, I thought that you summarized it fairly well. You don't want to be, and the fact that they can run a couple of different units mix and match the personnel uh, is is a nice luxury to have. Uh, you said kind of keeps the other team guessing. Don't have the, uh, you know, for years we were used to the Bob Motzko special. Uh, Lash parked out the in the back door play kind of deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was really kind of a expected. And when the team was really well, I mean, that clicked. That was a, a high octane power play. And yeah, I agree that this is a different setup and one that uh, doesn't have a, a trademark play. And so yep. I do like uh, having five guys on the ice that legitimately could score a power play goal there. It's not just we're not looking for a greasy goal down low, get the puck down low, and then have a you know a grinder, you know, one of those grease pan goals as they as they're saying, or we're not just keeping it up top all the time. Uh, uh, it's a good variance in, in the approach and what they're doing. I mean, you're still rocking a power play at, you know, 40% or so. And I even think one of those goals on Saturday came as the guy was out, you know, stepping outside the box, which so technically not a power play goal, but fundamentally it was because the guy was not in the play yet. So even, and we've had two even the goals like percentage that. Percentage as season. it is, yeah. Even the percentage as it is is even a little should be a little higher in in practice. So, so yeah, I, uh, I I'm loving what I'm seeing. And with that, I do wish we worked it down low a little bit more, but just to open up lanes. Um. You know, because if we're able to get that, um, you know, defender high in the box, if we were able to scooch him down a little bit, um, I think, you know, again, the talent that we have on defense, I mean, perfects can kind of burn or even walk past, you know, a, a lot of people we've seen. So it's that that aspect I'm really, um, re- really hope that I see a little bit more of, uh, but it's hard to knock what we've seen so far. Last question. Um, and kind of a fun one to end on, I think. Um, 
know from uh, from Dan, our good friend, our our good uh, Minnesota Duluth fan, Dan Jacobson. Um, I won't I won't hold that against him. <laughs> uh, for Frozen Four, and what what sites or what venue, what place would you like the Frozen Four to go that it hasn't been? Well, they did. So they Vegas is getting one, correct? Finally, yes. And I think that North Dakota is the host for that. If I'm not mistaken, I think so. Because that seems like a a pretty obvious uh, call. Um, I mean, Nashville is a is a common uh, rally cry for Frozen Four fans, and I think the success of the hall of fame game there they didn't sell out the building but i think you know 13 14 15,000 uh in the yeah. in the stands uh for a college hockey game is impressive for you know a game in tennessee i mean there's not <laughs> there's not much of a college hockey presence around there so uh that's impressive and i think have you ever been to nashville i it's it's on my bucket list it's one of those like top 3 cities i still want to go to yeah, I I agree. I've never been to Nashville, and it's always, I've always wanted to. Um, I think that's an that's an obvious one. Um, hmm. How about yeah, Ve- Vegas twenty uh, twenty twenty six is going to be in Vegas. Of twenty twenty five is going to be in St. Louis. They've been there before, I believe they have. It was like mid two thousands. It's kind of a nondescript. Uh, Frozen Four. I'll go for new. I mean, this is the thing about the Frozen Four is really the only thing in NCAA hockey that's a sure thing from a attendance standpoint. Mm-hmm. We could have an entire episode um, dedicated to regionals, <laughs> how the regionals are a completely broken system, and I think they should go back to the campus sites for those. But with the Frozen Four. It's a guarantee. They've done a well enough marketing job that that is pretty much a guaranteed sellout wherever wherever they've gone. I mean, they've they've had successful runs in Tampa. They're going down to Tampa for the third time. Mm-hmm. I think next year, year maybe two years from now, their first two that they did went very well. Um, Pittsburgh, as far as from a St. Cloud State fan, we love when Pittsburgh uh, <laughs> hosts the Frozen Four. Um, you know, and you always have your kind of you cycle through your traditional hubs. You know, Minneapolis, St. Paul, Boston, Detroit, do a good job cycling through those on a regular basis. Uh, and then, yeah, getting one of these newer spots. So I'm going to say for a new spot, and I think this will be a good sell, uh, is Seattle. Um, just Ooh, I starting like that. Out, starting out uh, with Kraken. From what I've been hearing, anecdotally, I, I have a friend that follows them, and just from the, the reports of it's just hockey fever and Kraken fever is really taking over Seattle, and I think that the name was a big hit, and I think they really kind of embraced that, and and uh, I don't think the Kraken are going to be like Golden Knights level. We're going to be really good right away, but. No. They've done a good enough job in creating a hockey culture there 
Uh, and you got a guy like Hackstall, our, our old buddy, uh, as the head coach there, obviously he's no stranger to the college game. I think he, I think, and, and the Kraken have uh, thrown their support behind uh, Anchorage through um, a couple million dollars in their, um, in their restarting relaunch efforts. So it seems like they're making commitment to supporting college hockey. Obviously there is no team college hockey team in the area. There are some junior teams there. Um, but you know, there's been several players that have come out of, of Washington state um, that, that have forged good NHL careers. I think it's a, it's, it's no, the market is a good one for hockey and, I think that they would do a good job uh, marketing a Frozen Four there, uh, and so as far as for for a new site, that's I'm going to go with the uh, with the Seattle uh, as as my new Frozen Four site. No, I I didn't think of Seattle, and um, that's a wonderful pick. Um, I probably just had a cop out answer of Nashville. Um, you know, I wouldn't mind. You know, I know uh, early two thousands. I think kind of in Anaheim, they had one that was very lackluster. I think, I think that one had ice issues. Yeah, uh, but I think college hockey has grown leaps and bounds since then. I mean, even in the nineties, there. Uh, in the let's call it the ESPN two the Deuce the era, Deuce. there was some struggles. I think it was Cincinnati that had another. They had a Frozen Four that was not so frozen, uh, so to speak. The Cincinnati one is like infamous. Yeah, and like infamously bad. I think that the sport and the the uh, venues that put on the the Frozen Four at this point are well aware that they're going to put on a, they're going to put on a, a show. That's not, that's not going to devolve into something like that. So getting it on the West coast in general, I think you could do a, you could do a frozen four a lot better in Anaheim or LA. uh, For instance, you could do that a lot better nowadays uh, than you did, than you did back then. Um, I think Arizona for like Phoenix speaking locally here, but I think Phoenix could be a decent, Decent spot. You got Arizona State right there. Um, and, you know, famously have struggled to, to maintain Coyotes. They're whole other, whole sorts of issues. We don't even know if they're going to be around for much longer. Um, but uh, I think with the uh, with the presence of Arizona State there and, and having them be a hub of college hockey in this region, uh, I wouldn't... Uh, I obviously would be a big fan of bringing it to uh, to the Phoenix area, um, and you know even something like you know Texas and Dallas has a Dallas has a has a team there obviously and and a fair San Jose to, San Jose is a yep getting uh, these sort of areas where college hockey is absent would be a a good idea to for a you know spreading of the sport and just imagine if there was a, a true sort of Western league, you know, Western college hockey is, you know, basically the Colorado schools are, are the Western most um, other than the Alaskas, but 
to have a true sort of Pac-10 presence would be uh, it's many, many years away, but a, a worthy goal to, to shoot for. And uh, yeah, exactly. Help I getting think, help think, get there by by having kind of an event like this in that area. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head though with with Seattle. I think that would be a wonderful spot. Nashville again would be, I think, perfect. So, um, well, that about does her. So, uh, appreciate everyone for tuning in, listening in uh, to the Huskies Hockey Podcast. Uh, we will recap um, uh, next week. Hopefully uh, six more points for the Huskies. Uh, We'll see what Omaha brings. So until the next time, go Huskies. Woo! Woo!